Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. King Jesus, hail to you. Hail to the King, seated on the throne. Power and strength are yours alone. And Jesus, I never lose the wonder of who you are and what you're like and all that you've done and all that you're yet to do. We love you, Jesus. If you have your Bibles, open up to Genesis chapter 1. We're going right back to the beginning. How appropriate as we uh, do this new, uh, new short series, Works in Progress, because we are all uh, works in progress as we are made by our Creator and um, journey with Him throughout the entirety of our lives and through all eternity. Uh, so Genesis chapter 1, I'm going to be there in a minute. You'll also be able to find that on your smartphone or tablet in the Version Bible app and follow along that way and it'll be on the screen as well. I was uh, reflecting as I was getting ready for today, um, about, before we had babies, actually when uh, Narelle was pregnant with Annabelle back in 2004, our eldest daughter turns 18 this year and is in year 12. Whew. Yeah, that will do things to you. Um, and just all the weirdness when you're about to be a parent for the first time. Like I still remember the shock and awe of when Narelle told me that she was pregnant. I was like, I didn't know what to feel. Um, but I was excited. And then um, when Narelle went into labour with Annabelle, and you know, you know what you do, you just, I mean, everyone's different. Obviously, this is our first baby. I didn't have a clue. I was just following Narelle's lead, and she was probably only one step ahead of me. We were amateurs. But we went for a walk, sunny March day in Adelaide. We went for a walk to help things move along. And on that walk, we would stop, and the contraction would come, and so we would wait, and then we would walk some more, and then we wait and walk some more. And then later that night, uh, we're sitting there and we're timing the contractions and time rolls on and gets into the late at night. And we were being a little bit strategic. Tim, you would appreciate this because um, the hospital cover, it covered you for a certain number of days, but the day started whatever day you went into hospital. This is just a little side note. So if we went in at 11 p.m. that night, that was day one. So we had to make sure we got in after midnight. <laughs> All right, so we're like, we want this baby to come, but, you know, we're going to stretch it out a bit here. It's terrible, isn't it? You know, maximise efficiency. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Anyway, so we do the walk. Now, on that walk and all through that time, waiting for Annabelle to be born, I am following Narelle's lead. I'm like, what do you need, babe? What can I do? What can, or timing contractions, all right, we're timing that. No worries, writing it down. I, I don't know why we did that, but we did that. You've got to wait for it to be a certain time apart and all that. But we're going for a walk. And I just remember, I'm not running ahead. I'm not trying to beat my best time for a 6K run. That would not be helpful for my wife who's in labour. And probably in the long run wouldn't be helpful for me either. I'm not just striding it out, just out for a casual walk. My attention is completely 
on Narelle and how she is going and what she needs in that moment. So we would, we'd walk and we'd stop and the contraction would come and we'd wait and then we would walk some more. I still remember, do you remember that walk? Yeah, it was all a bit foggy. <laughs> I remember it. We had to stay in step so that one of us, I didn't get ahead. I had to stay in step with Narelle because she knew what she needed. She knew what was going on. And she needed my attention so I could care for her and support her in that. We, um, we got to the hospital, got in after midnight. Thank you very much. Um, and in a mad rush, they were like, oh, there's an anaesthetist here. If you want an epidural, have it now because otherwise it's going to be too hard to get them back. And we're like, all right. Uh, so had the epidural and we slept for like four hours. And one of the things that I love about hospitals is those blankets they have in the oven. I don't know if you know this, but they keep blankets in the oven. And I get cold real easy. So I was like, and I'm not even having the baby. But Narelle was comfy. And so she had the epi and we could both sleep. And then we woke up and had the baby. It, it, you laugh. My wife's sitting here saying, yes, that's what happened. Because we got some rest in there and the body could do what it needed to do. Now, all of that to say is I'm clueless when it comes to having babies. Clueless. My wife, she knew what her body was doing for the most part. She knew what she needed. She knew what, when she needed it. So I am just watching and taking her lead the whole time. It's pointless for me, a man who has never had and never will have a baby, to tell her what we should be doing in the moment. All right, if you're like an obstetrician or if you're a doctor of some description or if you've read all the books and you're just one of those guys, all right, go for it. You risk your life. But for me, I'm taking my lead from my wife who's in labour. God is like a woman in labour. Now, that's going to mess up some of your theologies. I realise that. Stay with me. We need to stay in step with the one who holds all of creation in his hand. If we get out of step with him, we mess it all up. We mess up our lives. We mess up the community that he's put us to be in and part of. We mess up the world. All right, so I'm going to read from Genesis chapter 1. And you're going to see how this all fits together. I'm going to read a few scriptures. We're going to be in Genesis and Exodus. And we're looking at this series, uh, Works in Progress. And we're looking at how we're created for rhythm, how we're created for service, and how we're created for influence. Rhythm, service, and influence. We're not just some cosmic accident that happens to be here because a couple of rocks hit each other millions of years ago. All right? We were created by a creator, which means that there is design. We are designed for a purpose, and it's his purpose alone that needs to be fulfilled. And so in that, we are works in progress to complete the works that he has set before us. Here, we're going back to the beginning, Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air, 
and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he'd made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Okay, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, if you went to Sunday school, if you've read Genesis at all, you know the creation stories we have in Genesis 1. Genesis chapter 2. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested or ceased from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. I love the creation account. I love the intent that God has that he speaks creation into being. For every aspect of creation, God spoke it into being. And it gets through to day six and it creates male and female in his image. And then he stops his work. Now, from here on, God doesn't stop working. But in his work of creation, he rests. From here on, God always co-labors with mankind to do anything on earth. Now, I'm, I've racked my brain and I cannot think of a time throughout of all of Scripture, even through all of history, when God does something without partnering with humans. If you can, let me know. So on day six, God makes mankind. On day seven, God and man rest because God sanctifies the day and declares it a day of rest. And from there on, God and mankind co-labor together. Now, does that mean that we, we don't work? Well, no, we, we do continue to work and we continue to co-labor with the Lord. We continue to walk in step for him to see his kingdom come and his will being done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you understand that the Garden of Eden was the perfect paradise, the perfect setup for mankind to start and to flourish? From there, they were meant to take over and to subdue all the earth. They were meant to be fruitful and multiply, and they were meant to do it from the base of the Garden of Eden, which God had designed for them, to be a perfect home for them. And so they were meant to co-labor, they were meant to walk in step, and they were meant to do it with a balance of work and rest, being in step with God and with each other. Except it gets messed up, doesn't it? We know in Genesis chapter 3, we've got Genesis chapter 3, thanks Olivia. I just want to see where we start, verse 4. In Genesis chapter 3, we have the account of what we know, what we call the fall of man, where God's design for mankind falls by the wayside because mankind decides to take things into their own hands. And throughout all of history, we see time and time again that when we actually step out of line with the Creator and His design and His purpose and His will for our lives is when we really mess things up. And here is where it all begins. I'm just going to read back a little bit earlier than what's on the screen. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? So he's already twisted the truth. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. 
Can I, just a little sideline here. This is why it's super important for you and I as followers. If you're not a follower of Jesus, this is a freebie. If you are a follower of Jesus, this is why it's so important for us to be continually connected to our Creator, our Father in Heaven, and to be in His Word and to be on our knees in prayer seeking His face. Because if we get one inch off His alignment for our lives, his purpose for our lives, we very quickly and easily go down a path that he doesn't intend for us. So straight away here, Eve um, says, responds to the serpent, she says, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. That's not the command from God. The original command from God is don't eat. He doesn't say anything about not touching it. And you might think, well, that's just a little point. She doesn't want to eat from it. She doesn't want to touch it. I think it's just a reminder and a highlight for us to actually say, okay, what did the Lord say? And let's stick to that. Let us not adjust what he said. Let's not add to it. Let's not take away from it. Let us stick to what the Lord has said. Let's stick to what the Lord is saying so we can hold to his truth and so there is no room for error. You will not surely die, this is verse 4, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. For God knows when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The serpent is tempting them with something that they already have. This might be a recap for some of you, but I think it's important to highlight. Uh, I don't have this on the screen, I'm sorry. Chapter 1 of Genesis verse 26 this is God speaking let us make man in our image in our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and so on let us make man in our image in our likeness what does the serpent say to Eve God knows that when you eat of it your eyes will be open and you will be like God knowing God good and evil they already are made in the image and likeness of God and yet the serpent says comes to them and says actually that's not enough There's more that God is not letting you know about that is available to you if you simply eat from that tree. Verse 6, When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, good for food and pleasing to the eye, every tree that bore fruit in the garden was good for food and pleasing to the eye. This one was no different. The difference that set this one apart is the next part of the sentence. And also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. That is what set this tree apart. It was desirable for gaining wisdom. They could get it on their own apart from the one who made them. I know some of you are probably wondering, where are you going with this? Like, We're taking the scenic route, all right? Just bear with me. Write it down if you need to. We're going to end up back at the point. She also gave some to her husband because he was an idiot and didn't speak up, who was with her, and he ate it. Sorry, well, that's, um, that's my translation. Um, then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realised they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Ah. Oh. Do you read scripture and hope it turns out differently? Like every time, it's like watching the Titanic. It's like, oh, come on, turn, turn, turn. Ah, oh, they've hit the iceberg. Sorry. Again. <laughs> oh, sorry if I've spoiled it for any of you. Um, 
Then the man, verse 8, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. They had the presence of the Lord with them. I don't know if, like, please try and get this. They are in perfect paradise, created by God to be the perfect home base for them to subdue the earth. And the Lord God himself spends the cool of the evening with them. He comes to meet with them face to face. And it's not enough for them. Can we, can we, like if you, I don't know if you have New Year's resolutions, I didn't ask about it intentionally. If we have one for 2022, can it be that we seek his face together as his people? Can it be that everything else dims into insignificance in the light of his glory and grace? This needs to be our priority. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden, but the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Where are you? I know it's an old joke, but you're in a mess when God can't find you. When the Lord God comes looking and says, where are you? You are in a right royal mess. And that's exactly where mankind was. Because there wasn't enough for them to hold on to the promise and the design of the creator. That they would be waylaid from a simple twist of the truth that says, actually, what you've got isn't enough. And you don't need God. And so in this moment, they move from under the rulership of the God of all creation to the rulership of the devil who comes as a serpent in the garden. Revelations 12 tells us that. And so at this moment, the authority shifts from the God of all creation to the serpent. They move from walking in step with one to walking in step with the other. They wanted wisdom outside of God's rule and outside of his dominion. The beautiful thing is our God is and has always been the redeemer. We mess up, God's got a plan. And God's had a plan since before we messed up. How good is he? How good is our God? All right, turn to Exodus chapter 20. It's the next book over. And this is where, um, so fast forward, we've had quite a few generations. The Israelites have been in slavery uh, in Egypt for around 400 years. They've been set free from slavery in Egypt. They've been under the rule of the Egyptians for all that time, driven to build, to make hay, to make the bricks, make hay, sorry, to make bricks using the hay, and just driven into slavery um, for centuries on end. They have been freed, and Moses, as their leader appointed by God, is now receiving instruction from the Lord on how they actually are to exist as people. Now, this was cutting edge. We've talked about this before. This was cutting edge for a nation of its time, that actually males and females would actually receive rights and responsibilities and privileges as a nation. They weren't, people weren't to be treated like cattle. People actually had rights and God sets them up as his nation, as his royal priesthood. Here is uh, Exodus chapter 20 verse, um, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. So this is uh, the day seven that God rested and ceased from his work that he consecrated at the time of creation and God is now bringing that back to their attention. This is the fourth commandment. 
the fourth commandment. It's not even like down the bottom of the list. It makes the top ten and God says you've got to have a rest. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. This is before all the other commandments that instruct the nation of Israel and us on how to actually relate to one another as children of God. In setting up his nation, in setting up a royal priesthood that would represent God to the nations around them, God gives them rest. He says, work hard and rest hard. Walk in step with me by working hard and resting hard. For some of us, it's really hard to rest, to wait, to pause, to stop. I don't know if it's like middle age syndrome creeping in, but I've gone, I used to be an awesome procrastinator. Like my kind of thinking was... If it can wait until tomorrow, then it probably will. That's a bad way to operate. And now I've shifted to, if it can be done today, I'll do it today. Which is kind of the other end of the extreme. I kind of need to find some middle ground, because not everything that, can be done to, that should be done today can be done today. Like there's a limit. And so to actually be intentional in stopping and waiting... And resting is actually a declaration that I will trust in God for his peace and his provision, come what may. So really practically, like I'll get here um, some most mornings um, and I will have um, a hot drink and I, will, I might sit and read my Bible um, or sit and listen to some worship music or just sit and do nothing for as long as it takes me to drink that hot drink. Like, that just slows me down. And especially, I'll do it especially on the busy days. Most of us will have, like, lists that go on forever. They never end. I can add things on my to-do list faster than I can get rid of them. Most of us in this room might be the same. And I've learnt from those that have gone before me, I am not fooled that thinking retirement will be any easier. Not that I'm planning around my retirement. I just know that a lot of people think, I'll be easier in a retirement, have so much time. No, you don't. You have the same amount of time. And plenty more things to fill it. I don't think it matters what age. I don't matter. It doesn't matter if you're 5 or 55 or 105. The ability to stop and rest and wait is actually an indication that we trust our Creator for His peace 
and his provision and everything that has to be done. I've heard an expression a few times, people talking about being time poor. I don't know if you've heard this, time poor. Have you heard this, time poor? You've heard this? No, you're not. Nobody in this room has any less time than anybody else. Everybody has 24 hours a day. Like I know some of us have different needs on our time, different requirements, different ways of spending our time. All of us have the same amount of time every day. For the most part, we get to choose how we spend it. We might have other things that influence and impact that time. But to an extent, we still get to choose. And most of us, if not all of us, get to choose when to rest. Or if we rest. Graham Cook says, rest is warfare. Because the devil will just want you to keep on going, just keep on doing, keep on moving, don't stop. Just keep on thinking, just keep on turning things over. Keep on taking things in, keep on listening, keep on doing. And our holy God says, I'm going to set one day apart from all the rest. If our God who created the heavens and the earth can do his work in six and rest on the seventh, I'm pretty sure we can find some time to stop and rest and wait. And it's actually in, I find, it's in the stopping and the resting and the waiting that I come further into alignment with the heart of God. But then that I hear his still small voice speaking to me. That as I spend time in his word, I'm reminded of who he is and what he's like and what he wants from my life and my family and the church and the community and what's possible as we move forward as the people of God. <clears throat> Pardon me. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 4. This is verse 9. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience. Now this is, the author of Hebrews writes centuries after the people of Israel wandered through the desert and received the command to have a Sabbath rest. It, it is really... I don't know if you know about the different Sabbaths. All right, so it's one day a week. I'm going to do this really fast just because I think it's important for you to see the wonder and the glory of God who actually looks after his children, right? So every week, there's one day out of every week that's called the Sabbath. Now, traditionally, that was, uh, that's Saturday. Um, many wonder why we meet on a Sunday. We meet on a Sunday because the early church started meeting on a Sunday because that was the day that Jesus rose from the dead. That's why we don't actually meet on the Sabbath. So one day out of every seven, God institutes 
um, as the Sabbath. He also has a Sabbath year. One year out of every seven is to be a Sabbath year. When the land would um, lie in rest, they weren't to farm it, they weren't to do anything with it, but then foreigners and aliens could actually come through and eat anything from that land that grew on it. One year out of seven. Now, I know modern-day farmers, they have different ways of doing this. Some still leave entire paddocks um, to rest. Others do it by the way that they sow and, and reap. Um, but just to have one year out of every seven where you don't sow and completely trust the Lord. When they were in the wilderness, they weren't, um, the Israelites weren't to actually go out on the Sabbath day to collect any manner, the food from heaven that God provided. Some of them still did. But on, they were meant to collect twice the amount on the Friday, the day before the Sabbath, and not do any of the work on the Sabbath so that they could completely trust in God for their rest. All right, so we have a day of Sabbath, we have a year of Sabbath, and then we have the Jubilee, which is one year every 50 years. So after seven Sabbath years, every 50 years was meant to be a year of Jubilee, when all the land that had been bought was meant to return to its ancestral owners and all those who were in slavery would be set free and returned to their original families. This is the God that we serve. This is the God of all creation. That's like We're going to put, into a, um, put in place a system, a legal system that actually requires that the rich don't just keep getting richer and the poor just keep getting poorer and to ensure that everybody in the community actually gets to have a rest. How good is that? Unfortunately, the Jubilee didn't really happen until way after um, possibly the exile, which is hundreds of years after Moses and the people wandered through the desert. Now, I'm a little bit off on a tangent because I want you to understand, I want you to see how good God is that he actually creates us to be people of rest. We work hard and we rest hard. And he institutes a system that actually cares for an entire group of people to be a people of rest. Why? Because rest shows that we trust our Father in heaven. He is that good. He is that good. Now, the beautiful thing is, if you go through to, uh, you read the crucifixion account of Jesus um, in the Gospel of John, one of the things that jo uh, Jesus says on the cross as he dies on the day before the Sabbath. So it's the sixth day of the week and Jesus says, it is finished. The work of Jesus Christ finished on the sixth day of the week so that he wasn't doing any work on the Sabbath. And then he rose again on the first day of the week. And then Pentecost, the day when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the people who were waiting, waiting in the upper room, doing nothing else but seeking the face of God how many days after the resurrection of Jesus was the Holy Spirit poured out? 50. It wasn't 50 years, it was 50 days. It was like a jubilee occasion when the Holy Spirit came upon the people and the church was born. This is how good God is. And I wonder, possibly, I, don't, I can't prove it, I wonder if possibly God does his best work when we stop and rest. Does God do his best work when we actually say, do you know what, God, I'm going to stop striving. I'm going to stop just working. Like, work hard, absolutely. But we don't work for his love or for his approval, but we work constantly in step with the Father. What are we doing today, Lord? 
What does this look like today, Lord? What do you think, how are we going to make this decision, Lord? And step by step, we move forward with our Father in heaven who has more wisdom than we could all muster together. And we honor him by staying in step and resting with him. I want to finish Ephesians chapter 2 because it's, it's a, um, an excellent summary of the gift that we have in Christ Jesus that we don't strive, we don't work for his love, we work from his love. And I'm going to read all of this, Ephesians 2 verse 1 and following. As for you, followers of Jesus, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who were disobedient. All of us who lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. So you can see right there, um, Paul writing to Ephesus is going back right to the creation story, um, to the initial disobedience from Adam and Eve. But... In verse 3, but because of his great, verse 4, sorry, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us. In Christ Jesus. That is a mouthful and a headful. Try and get your head around that. Basically, God is good. He is so good. He loves us. He has shown grace and mercy to actually make us one with Christ Jesus, who is risen from the dead, seated in heavenly places. And because of God's wonder and majesty, we are one with Christ Jesus, seated in heavenly places. This is better than you think. Verse 8, for it is by grace you have been saved. This is quite a popular verse, but I don't want to lose the wonder of it. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Right from the very beginning, God created perfect paradise where man and woman were meant to live and were meant to move out to subdue the earth and to bring glory to God. We didn't do it. We didn't do it. Yet in through Christ Jesus, we are redeemed in order that we can do the work set before us that God has set apart for us to do. Not for us to boast, but so we can actually be one with him so that we can work with him so we can trust in him so we can rest in him this is good news amen amen i want to uh just as i was getting ready for today i want to uh pray for particular groups of people it might just be all in one um mindful of people that cannot sleep you just struggle getting to sleep at the moment and even if it's like a temporary thing um and as I say these things, if you just want to stand up, we're just going to pray for you um, real quickly. So if you have trouble sleeping at the moment, uh, we want to pray for you. And it might be um, you're having nightmares. It might just be that you're restless. Whatever it might be, we want to pray for you in that. Um, if, you, if you're exhausted, if you are exhausted, 
and you feel like you just can't get refreshed, you can't get energy, um, if you are suffering, um, there's, and there's some, probably some overlap, that's okay too. Um, if you're just um, suffering mentally, if there's anxiety or depression, Or you just like even if like if it's not diagnosed necessarily, if it's not clinical depression, but you just feel on edge all the time, if you feel antsy, if you feel like you just can't rest. And there's no in in all of this, there is no judgment. There is love, grace, and mercy here. All right, church, would you just stretch out your hands to those that are standing around you? And we're just going to pray in faith to see these people uh, healed and restored. So, Father, we thank you that you are the creator. We thank you that we are made in your image. We are made in your image. So we submit ourselves to you as the perfect loving father. Thank you that each and every one of these people that are standing are made in your image as well, Lord. And we break off the spirit of fear and timidity. And thank you for the spirit of power and love and a sound mind that you are giving to each and every person here today, Lord. We release peace in the name of Jesus. Prince of peace, come and rule in these hearts, these minds, these spirits, these souls and bodies. We stand against negative thoughts in Jesus' name. We stand against the lies and the attacks of the enemy who comes to steal, kill and destroy and we say, not on our watch, not today, not this year, not ever. Satan, we see you and we call you out for the damage that you have done. We say no more. Holy Spirit, come, fill these people to overflowing. Let them know your grace and your peace in this moment. And Father, we just ask for each and every person standing, what is the truth that you want them to know about who they are in you? What is the truth about you that you want them to know, Lord? We pray for deep sleep. We pray for dreams and visions straight from the throne room of God. We pray for perfect peace. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, everyone, for standing. Thank you for being so willing um, to be a part of that. As, as the band comes back up, I just encourage us as the people of God to dedicate ourselves. Like, I don't want to be a New Year's resolution because that's so passe. Like, let's seek His face today. Let us seek His face today. And maybe let us be a people who find ways to rest and encourage one another to rest and help each other to rest, whatever that might look like. And Father, I just ask for us as a company of believers, as your church here in Horsham, I pray this, that we would be a city of rest. People have been so busy with harvest and coming in and out of lockdowns and restrictions and the news feed and everything that happens with that, Lord. I just pray that we would be a city of rest That as people live here, as people drive through this city, people would experience your peace, Lord. Let us be people of peace. 
Let us go deeper with you. Let us seek your face in all that we do, that we would walk in step with you, that we would hear your voice and know your face more than ever before.